This is the flight director beginning launch status check. CLCDR checking all stations are man and system is ready. Give me a go, no go. Talker? Roger, FSC? That is a go. Capcom? Oh, get- navigation? Uh, navigation? Oh, uh, uh. You don't, don't worry about that, we're just gonna. Wait, 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 what? You said what? 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 Welcome back to Space Castle. It is your clubhouse and ours for all things nerdy. My name is DT, and I am the CEO, CFO, and sole proprietor of Dork Lube. And <laughs> that's a pregame callback if I ever heard one. And I'm Alex, and I'm I'm as excited as the the kid who had a dead Game Boy and went fishing in the miscellaneous kitchen drawer and found two double A's in the back, and now can play. Pokemon. I'm just dead Seth. Alex, that was very specific. Yeah. It was so specific, <laughs> yeah. I couldn't follow it up. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm glad I went first, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I practiced mine while I was peeing before we started recording. Like, damn. You, oh, you too? All right. Great. Oh, shit. All right. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, here we are. <laughs> Sorry, Seth. We left you in the dark. All I did was play Stardew Valley while I was peeing. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Uh, you probably had the better experience of all three. He of us. has the Steam Deck. <laughs> <laughs> your equipment is important, people. Check your inventory. Are we still talking about Steam Decks, or are we talking about P? I'm talking about our next T-shirt. Check your inventory. Check your inventory. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm gonna write that down. That's that is good life advice. I will be honest. That's awesome. Yeah, gentlemen. In the meantime, Rolling Stone just recently released what they are calling the top 100 television shows of all time. They took 100 TV shows and they ranked them in descending order from 100 to number one. And it raised a lot of questions for me. First of all, they put Chappelle's show at 69. Nice. They put Key and Peel at 59, oh, 10 spots oh. ahead of Chappelle's show, which angers me for two reasons. One, Chappelle's show is one of the greatest fucking comedies of all time. And two, Key and Peel is not only just a basic ripoff of the show to fill that time slot, it's also like, a shade of what Chappelle's show ever was. Like, it's just insane. Keen Pill is not as funny as Chappelle's show, but... Well, it is sometimes. It is an iteration, and this is important for our soon-to-be full topic. I think Keen Pill did a really good job taking what Chappelle's show did and... Making it worse. No, no, no. They brought it to the next generation. Oh, I don't know. See, I don't disagree with you. I I, it is definitely a, a comedy show for not me. <laughs> Whereas Chappelle's show is like, it was a comedy show for people like with my sense of humor, right? And Keen Peele is, is Chappelle's show for people with not my sense of humor. Here's the thing. I've watched many a Keen Peele skit and been like, eh, this is not for me. I did not like that. However, there are some I'm like, that was hilarious. Both of you have quoted Keen Peele skits to me before. Sure, the the football lineups yeah, yeah. and the the substitute teacher who says all the names wrong, yeah, and noise and whatever. It's quotable. You cannot say that Keen Peel is not both a lesser ripoff of Chappelle's show and also deserving of being higher up on a top one hundred list of greatest television shows ever. Ten spots above Dave Chappelle. Come okay, on, well, give me no. more on the list. Yeah, Tell yeah. me more. Okay. If you haven't already looked at the article on RollingStone.com, the number one show of all time is The Sopranos, and number two is The Simpsons. Hmm. I staunchly disagree with both of those. I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I would need some time with a pen and pad of paper to tell you what the number one TV show of all time was, but I don't think it's Sopranos. And I don't think it's The Simpsons at number two either, just because everything past like season nine is not fucking great. They're both top 10. They're both probably top five. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that too. You have to factor in watchability. Here's the thing. Nobody in the critical standpoint, when they're like, oh, I'm thinking about a, a TV show that should be in the top 100, they don't think about watchability. And they should. Mm. Because popularity is a big factor. And you have to factor in like 
Alex, if you're about to make an argument for Friends being the best show of all time, I'm going no, to kick you no, off this no, podcast no, no, forever. No, 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 I'm not, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying it should be up there in number one. I'm not saying it should be. I think you have to factor in those like big popular shows, though, because the numbers speak for themselves. We're not factoring in an electoral college here. I want popular vote. I want what is the most popular show that is out there. Dude, this is the same argument we had last week. Popularity <laughs> does not mean best. <laughs> no, I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree with you. You have to factor in also dramatic representation. Like, okay, Sopranos is probably easy top five, probably top three. Mm. It's the godfather of TV shows, like in both like theme and execution. It is absolutely excellent. I'm going to stop you right there. I think... And this is what's funny is The Wire is is in the top 10 of this list. And I think The Wire is probably better than The Sopranos and deserves to be higher. The Wire never became the cultural phenomenon that The Sopranos did, though. The Sopranos are being on a paid cable network show to become as popular as it did to become such a big part of the cultural zeitgeist is a massive achievement. But in terms of being like the godfather of, let's just say, crime dramas. The Sopranos, I think, paved the way for future television. You could not have many of the shows we have now without The Sopranos. That's fair. The Wire iterated on the formula and then decided, I'm going to make this better and then made it better. And The Wire is excellent in and of itself. But The Sopranos was like, I think this really cool thing from film could play in television. And then was like, yeah, can we make it work? Can we make it work? Yes, we can make it work. That's fair. Okay. I think The Wire is an easy top 10. I don't think The Wire is better than Sopranos. I could probably be convinced one way or the other, to be honest with you. It's not like it's a, a stark line for me, but... I'm with you, Seth. That's like, for me, I, maybe I'm, I'm putting words in your mouth, but it's like such a... It's an amalgamation that is like so... What's the word? Give me a word, guys. Dork lube. Dork, it's so dark. You did it, didn't you? You were waiting for it. Uh, no, okay, so here's here's the thing: is I think that's why The Simpsons deserves to be top three at least, is because not only is it phenomenal, but you cannot deny what it did to the world. Yeah, L- those first nine seasons. Everything after that. First nine seasons were really really good TV. No, but aren't they on to, aren't they on to like 20, 25 plus seasons? No, they're in the 30s now, my dudes. Yes. Okay, so you can't say nine seasons. They're into 30 seasons. No, that shit started when I was in like kindergarten. Maybe it doesn't work for you, but it works for like so many people. One of the best episodes of The Simpsons ever is Marge versus the Monorail. And if I remember correctly, Conan O'Brien had a big part in writing that episode. And that episode was season four, I believe, which was also Conan O'Brien's final season as a writer with The Simpsons. We always tend to say that The Simpsons was great up until season nine. I personally think it really peaked around season four, and then you can kind of see a decline from there, but you really see the decline with The Simpsons from season nine onward. And now it's honestly just, which pop star is going to be on there this week? Blah, blah, blah. Here's some bullshit story where Homer acts entirely out of character and Bart's wildly out of character and nobody gives a shit anymore. The whole purpose of this, right, was to get to where I think we're going, DT. So you're ready, you guys are ready for the true topic of this episode now? Is that what you're saying? Actual, yeah. yeah, Okay. Yeah, what I'm saying is I'm like, I'm ready for the true topic. Here we go. Here we go. This list from Rolling Stone, the top 100 television shows of all time, has The Office at 34. The United States version of The Office starring Steve Carell and John Krasinski and so forth. 34? Really? It has Parks and Recreation by the same creators at 30. And this begs the question, is Parks and Recreation better than The Office? Or is The Office the better show over Parks and Recreation? This is a hot take that I have been spouting since 2015. Parks and Rec, hands down, is a better show than The Office. Show your work. Okay. Well, yeah, otherwise this podcast is 15 minutes long. So yeah, please, please <laughs> yeah. elaborate. Congratulations, Seth. we finished. 
Congratulations, we finished. How many times did I hear that in college? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dork Loop. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Seth, I'll stop talking now. I don't even want to anymore. Uh, thank you for listening to Space Castle. It's your clubhouse and for all, all right, I'm, I'm going I'm to seg you like DT used to like to say. I'm going to seg you real oh, quick. Oh, God. Okay. 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 Seth, tell me why Parks and Rec is better than The Office. Give me two reasons. I'll give you more than that by way of being unable to quantify them in separated reasons. The Office did a lot of really, really good things, but I think Parks and Rec is a better show than The Office because. Not only is it a lot of the same things that The Office was, right? It's hilarious. It's a single camera ensemble cast. Like, it, yeah. It's fourth wall breaking with the interview thing and so forth. Yeah. Right. But what it did is it outgrew The Office as an idea. So they realized not only did the, the not work, right? The Office format doesn't work in a show like Parks and Rec. It handled the transition so gracefully into something that was more and beautiful and not cynical and just funny the office is great and hilarious but parks and rec is like a highlight of humans doing good things for other humans and it's hopeful and it's sunny the office is is a is a cynical look at corporate america and it uses that cynicism to feel jokes and like it, it is it's very funny but parks and rec is a hopeful look at humans interacting with other humans and that is inherently going to be more interesting. It's inherently going to be more, not touching, but like I, I, it's more easily identifiable for the audience because like we can relate to people helping other people and just a group of people trying to do the best they can to make a better place to live. Like that's, it's great. And it didn't start that way. Season one is hotly debated on whether or not you should skip it. I don't think you should. I don't think you should just because of the context. I think you need to get the entire story, but that first season is not good. And Mark Brandanowitz is a fucking trash character. Like, just awful. It was so much better as soon as they jettisoned him as, as a member of the cast. The actor was fine. The role as it was written, the actor did great things with it. The character just fucking sucked and it needed to go away. Not only do I suggest you not skip the first season for the narrative context, but also it gives you high level show context where you you know the first season is them trying to be a spin-off of the office tonally season 2 is them trying to figure it out and then season 3 is when they actually figure it out being able to participate in that change is really meaningful for an audience member like being able to see the show is funny but you can tell like Leslie Nope is a little cynical a little incompetent she tries to play Michael Scott Right. And then season two, you can tell everything's in the air. It's all changing because season one doesn't work. Everything's up in the air. They're finding their feet. They're kind of laying a lot of groundwork. A lot of the mainstays of the show kind of really solidify. The ensemble begins to come together, that kind of stuff. And then season three, you realize that through season two, Leslie Nope has turned into an anti Michael Scott. I believe, fuck. There's a YouTube channel called Nerdstalgic who made this exact same argument, which is probably where I got it from, to be honest. I love Nerdstalgic. That is a great fucking YouTube channel. He is probably where I've solidified this idea because I always have a hard time articulating my thoughts. You're doing fine right now, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> Leslie Nope is an anti-Michael Scott. She's hopeful. She's competent. She's smart, knowledgeable, caring. She does all of those things. And I think that is where season three, particularly uh, the Harvest Festival episode, that's when you realize that like, okay, this is, this is everything The Office was, but more and better and more meaningful. And then the rest of the series is just growing on that. It's like The Office was kind of like the soil that this beautiful sunflower was grown from. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's really good soil that I love to roll around in from time to time. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, totally agree. The Office is great. Yeah. One thing I want to address is I, I think you're right that The Office is much more cynical because it's based in corporate America. I think Parks and Rec is cynical too, but in the flip side of that, it's a mirror image. 
The Office is very cynical, where it's a bunch of people just trying to get by and survive corporate America, be treating like numbers, and they get by by forming relationships and going on dating adventures and whatnot. Parks and Recreation, on the flip side, is all about how government is a farce. And the fact that one person who actually believes in it and believes in herself enough and believes in the people around her enough can supersede the ineffectualness of government and actually make things happen. Michael Scott, living in the corporate environment he does, just can't ever achieve that level of success. But whereas The Office, as a satirical look at corporate life, Parks and Rec is an incredibly hopeful and optimistic look at both government and communities in general, which is why I agree it's a better show. And a lot of people had issues with that final season where a lot of people said, well, everything good happens to all these characters. There's no drama. And that's not the point. The show is always wildly optimistic and hopeful, even at its most dour and most cynical. It was always that ray of sunshine hulking through the clouds. And that's what all the characters latched onto, whatever they were, they were trying to face. There's many instances in the office where the characters just concede defeat, <laughs> you know? And the show continues to be very, very cynical towards the end of its run, even when the characters have achieved what they want to achieve and they're, they're supposedly happy. Like Michael Scott disappears. He goes and chases his girlfriend and eventually get married. It's wonderful. But he leaves the rest of the cast and like Jim and Pam get married. And instead of having like that storybook marriage, and it's a weird fucking thing. And I'm probably going to upset some people by saying this, but Jenna Fisher became a producer on the show. So there was big changes as far as the writing and the cast. and. Jim and Pam became more prominent, more so than they were before in the storylines. And what they did was they wrote Pam as more of a, an assertive character, but they did it in such a wrong way that she became commandeering and like overpowering. And it started to get to the point where I couldn't figure out towards the end of the show if they were taking a satirical look at marriage and they had flipped it to where like they had the storybook, like they were friends, they fell in love, blah, blah, blah. They got together. And they got married and they had a kid and they bought a house. And all of a sudden they're fucking fighting all the time. And I wasn't sure if that was supposed to be like a like a dramatic undertone for the show or if it was supposed to be played for humor or if it's satire, but I don't think they did it on purpose. And that's one of the mainstays and one of the, the main issues I have with the later seasons of The Office is that the tone is all over the fucking place. Like it does not stick the landing the way that Parks and Rec does. The Office is a really great show from seasons like maybe two to five when Steve Carell departed. And then it comes back, kind of tries to in the last season, but it never sticks at landing because the characters are lost. The writers are lost. Everything is all over the place. And I think it's due in part because the show went on way too fucking long. Whereas Parks and Recreation went on for, I think, like six seasons. And they had a plan for the characters. And all the characters go through what they need to go through. And they come through in the end as better, stronger you know, more self-sufficient human beings and their bonds as friends help them do so. And it ends on a wildly beautiful, incredible high note. And it sticks to landing. The finale was amazing. Whereas The Office, its finale felt earned because we spent so much time with those characters. But at the same time, it also felt, oh shit, we fucked up. Let's wrap all this shit up and make it nice again because we went way too far in too many different directions and everything's all fucked up. And it's still funny, but it doesn't have the same heart anymore. I don't know. I think as a whole, if you look at both shows as a whole, Parks and Rec, even though it's got that really rough half first season, it was a like a mid-season replacement. As a whole, the show is cohesively and just as a unit, much, much better than the entire whole of The Office, even though The Office might have higher highs at its absolute peak. I don't know. Uh, Parks and Rec was seven seasons. Yeah, because the seventh season was like a half season with only like eight episodes. And they, yeah, 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 you're right. I think it comes down to your center point. The focal point of The Office is, is Michael until he leaves. And ultimately, he's kind of like a, a bumbling dude that you follow for the jokes. In Parks and Rec, Leslie Nope is hopeful. Like, that's it at the end of the day. Like, she's trying to be a positive reinforcement on the rest of the squad. The difference to me when you look at both of them is character development. When you see each and every minor character throughout the entirety of the cast, they all do an excellent job. I do not discredit any of the actors. They do great. But when you look at 
Parks and Rec, each one of them has a reason for a subplot. Yeah. They all have like an episode baked in. It's like, all right, I want to find out what's happening with every single one of them. And you have a fall guy that's baked in inherently in Jerry in Parks and Rec. So you- Who? Exactly. Oh, you mean Larry? Yeah, Larry. Exactly. <laughs> so you have a fall guy and they, they baked it in immediately. They were like, this is what I was talking about in the pregame. It's iterative. They took what was happening with BBC British office and they made it American and they made it distilled and made it great. And Steve Carell did an incredible job making something that you can't go to anywhere that has like idle time, college or rental apartment after college or a community center anywhere without the office being on in the background somewhere. Like the office is always there and everybody knows it and everybody understands it and everybody laughs about it and everybody has that shared knowledge. However, (laughs) to me, it doesn't land the same as Parks and Rec. It doesn't hit the same beats Mm -hmm. because those characters are just so much more interesting. They're so much more funny to me. This is the exact same reason that Futurama is better than The Simpsons because Michael Schur and, and Greg Daniels, who created The Office and Parks and Rec and many other wonderful shows, this is where they grew up just like Matt Groening did for Futurama. This is where they took all the things that they learned on The Office and wrote better characters that were better structured. The entire show is better thought out. It's all better in every way because they matured as a writing team. The same thing happened with Futurama and The Simpsons, which is why, maybe a hot take, I think Futurama is a better show than The Simpsons too, but uh, we'll talk about that later. No, no, I agree with you on that. I've seen less Simpsons than I have Futurama, so maybe that's part of that, but I think that the writing is more clever and witty. And I would say the same thing about Parks and Rec. I do think that it is iterative. It is the same thing, but Parks and Rec chooses to not break the fourth wall as much as The Office does. If you look at The Office, it's very clear that the camera is another character. The camera is supposed to be involved. Even in, I recently watched the the season two first episode where they go to Chili's and it's the Dundies and they do all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the camera is very much a part of the show. It's very much included. And this is after they had their whole first season they had a second to to like pause and break and come back and say, this is what the show is. And they very much included the camera, which is cool. It's an interesting perspective. It's like, all right, we're going to do this like spinal tap thing where <laughs> we're in an office and Parks and Rec did that, but they never addressed the camera half as much as the office did. They did not. They, they never did, actually. Yeah, they never included the camera. So- the characters had more time to play with one another in the scene as opposed to like worrying about what the camera was doing. I think that's one of the things that I like most about Parks and Rec over The Office, where The Office's comedy is great and is very fourth wall breaky, but it's very much like a a joke and a joke, whereas Parks and Rec is like genuine. It's, it's like a genuine like environment. That is also funny, whereas The Office is like a fairly genuine environment, but they're telling jokes. It's hard to quantify because it's not a, a stark line and it is blurry and like both do both, obviously. But like Parks and Rec is is more genuine. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, here's my thing. Look at both of those shows. What you can say is this fact. Both shows took the cast and they were very talented people and then they moved on to do other things. And in The Office, they went on to do other things. John Krasinski went on to do other things. Like everybody in that cast went on to do other things. Parks and Rec, all of them kind of maintained similar sort of archetypes. I recently went through all of Nick Offerman's books and he talks about being cast for for Parks and Rec. Like he was like one of the first people to read for it. And NBC was like, no, we can find basically any other. So it took them like six months of like a bunch of readings and really? a bunch. Of, yeah. Like NBC did not want to cast Nick Offerman. And at the very last bit, they like had somebody else cast and like that fell through. And, and Mike show was like, well, 
I still want Nick Offerman. Like I, I still kind of wrote the part for him. So like, can we, now that everything else has failed, can we please do Nick Offerman? <laughs> and he did. And like, he talks about the process and like the writing process for the characters was very much like more collaborative, which is common. The actors have a say in, in the parts as they get written a lot, but at least from, from those books, what I gathered was like, Michael Schur realized that like, it's really important to let the actors shine as actors in the show from the office. That's why it kind of grew the way that it did towards the later seasons. You saw a lot of that. So he kind of did that from the beginning. So like the entire idea of the character was kind of collaboratively built with the actors from the, from the ground up. 100%. So yeah, as Ron Swanson develops as a character, we learned he is a hard whiskey drinking dude. And he's a woodworker and so forth. And that very much came from Nick Offerman being a hard drinking whiskey dude and a woodworker and all those things. Fucking Andy Dwyer was because Chris Pratt was a musician. Like he played guitar. He's actually a really good guitar player. So that developed into that. And like you said, it was very much a collaborative effort. And I think part of what you're saying about the show being genuine is the fact that those actors got to really invest parts of themselves into those characters. And I think that follows through and it makes the characters more believable and more organic. Whereas aside from Creed Bratton in The Office, who is actually like an old time fucking musician and did all kinds of fucking drugs in the 60s and 70s and shit. Everybody else in that cast is playing the characters as was written for them. You know, like Rain Wilson is, is not fucking Dwight Schrute. He's not like that. You wouldn't ever want to be like that in real life. Steve Carell is, as far as we know, a, a wonderful human being, and he's not as entirely unself-aware and unintentionally cruel sometimes as Michael Scott is. And yeah, it's it, it's very much the fact that those actors were allowed to play with those characters and collaborate and help write some of those characters, and it became very much a team effort as opposed to, here's the script, perform the script. It's It feels organic. It feels lived in. It feels like actual people, even though they're outlandish and silly people that you might know and might want to hang out with and as such the jokes in the show feel better because they don't read like punchlines it's not 12 people in a paper office that are all somehow incredibly witty and throwing jokes around these people are funny just because of how they are like ron swanson doesn't have any one-liners he's just fucking funny because nick offerman's way about him and the way he performs that character is so goddamn genuine and so organic and so funny in and of itself it's beautiful it's great the characters really got to like evolve with their actors like like think of of ann ann perkins right rashida jones character <laughs> she was a nurse and then she became a consultant for the government you don't get that that organic feeling in in the offices settings like you do in parks and rec it it's just a more mature well thought out well evolved show and that's a weird thing too is like in the in the office too anytime somebody tries to escape and do their own thing they inevitably come back to the office Whereas in Parks and Recreation, the characters continue to grow. People get married and they actually grow and mature as people as opposed to becoming dour and kind of torn apart by their marriage internally and fighting all the time. Like Steve Carell, like Michael Scott, the only one who actually effectively escaped the office and went off and started his own life. And then he comes back because of Dwight's wedding and whatnot. But in Parks and Rec, like we see April Ludgate grows as a character. She develops a career. She moves on to doing her thing where she's helping animals and she starts that foundation to help stray animals and get them adopted and shit. Uh, Andy grows up and he gets married and he becomes a successful fucking TV show host. Like they don't constantly get forced back into the office and we feel good about those characters because they grow and they become better people and they achieve their dreams and goals. They're not perpetually stuck in the same horrible fucking corporate American loop where they go out and try and do those things and get sucked right back in because we got to keep the show going because the writers are fucking lazy because the show's been going on way too fucking long. Those are some of the best episodes, though, is where you realize that like April has a love for Ron and Ron has a love for for Leslie and and Anne is is like mitigating everything and helping <laughs> everything run smoothly. So and those are some of the best things because you you recognize the character interaction that has been this sort of like through line throughout that has not been shoved down your throat. And it's not important for a lot of the episodes. It's not important that they have these tight bonds. And in most sitcoms, you'd see like, oh, it's important that this character and this character have a tight bond. Well, you don't care, uh, ultimately. But some of the funniest moments are those where it's like, 
April and Ron, our boss and subordinate. And uh, sorry, I didn't book you right. So you've got 30 <laughs> meetings today. And that's hilarious. The 31st day of March. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's so it's hysterical. It's so funny. That doesn't happen. And it can't happen in the office because the office is taking from the BBC version and it's taking. All right. Here's the characters and here's the situation. And how can we make this funny? And instead, Parks and Rec is like, here's a new thing. It's got the same soul. It's got the same heart and vibe. But I want to try to transplant some characters and it just sets and it works and it works much better. And in, in, in my opinion, and it's just great. Like, I yeah, Parks and Rec just nails it. It does. Yeah. In other news, I want to touch briefly on how fucking absurd it is that Rolling Stone put Star Trek at 22. <laughs> what? Yeah. 22? Behind like all the family and. No, like... no. Wait, wait, what are the. Rapid fire, what are the top 10? I need to know. Top 10, okay. Number 10, Mary Tyler Moore Show. That's fair. Nine, Atlanta. Really? Atlanta? I fucking love that show and I love Donald Glover, but Atlanta at nine is fucking absurd. Sorry. Wait, hey, hey, I said rapid fire. Let's go. Number eight. Eight, Cheers. Yes, absolutely. Seven, Mad Men. No. Six, Seinfeld. Yes. Five, Fleabag, fuck off! No, no, that that deserves to be up there, but not at not, not a top ten, not above the ones we've mentioned. One Go above ahead. Seinfeld, fuck off! Never even heard of Fleabag before. What? Four, The Wire. Yeah, like I said. Three, Breaking Bad. Two, Simpsons. One, Sopranos. Ugh. All right. First and foremost, go watch Fleabag right now. Okay. <laughs> it does not deserve to be where it is in that list, if you ask me, but it's it's way up there. I mean, it's Rolling Stone. I'm not shocked the top five list isn't like fucking Stranger Things and <laughs> Euphoria and Ted Lasso. So, I mean, give some credit where credit's due. Ted Lasso should be up there. It's it's in the 100. I perused it. It's in the 100. Oh, it is? But it's, good, good, it's, good. Yeah, but it's in the back half, I believe. But there's no, there's no for all mankind. There's what? There's no Thundercats. Like fuck off. I would definitely put <laughs> Star Trek in place of Mary Tyler Moore. Mm. Tune in for Space Castle's top 100. We need to do our own, guys. Guys, we have to do our top. We have to do our own. Maybe we'll do that for a year end. We have to have a Reddit version though, like a like a upvote downvote thing. We've got to do like a like a poll for our community. We should just have a list. We should make a list. All right, look, now, Alex, this may be a little bit confrontational for you, but I think so far, the only thing that I've seen that's in the proper space is Friends at Spot 49. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. I think that's about right. It's not confrontational. You guys are getting this misconstrued thing. Like, I don't think Friends is that great. I think it's (laughs) fine. But I think that it's important because it's so popular. It did beat out Jeopardy by one... One spot, which is weird. I think that's fucking nonsense. Uh, here's a hot take. Friends deserves to be higher than 49. Oh, that is a hot take. I don't know where. I'm not saying like top 10, not, not fucking top 10. I don't actually like the show. I would put it top 25. It is, it's important. It was a massive fucking cultural juggernaut. You are not wrong. Exactly. It's important. It has to be included. If you have a set dedicated at Warner Brothers, you have to have a spot there. If I were to make this list, I would, I would put friends probably higher, but that's because I would skip out on a lot of the ones that they put higher. Sure. And then my argument with for people who want to argue that it's fine. Like, I don't think Friends is an excellent show. I just think that if you have a conversation more than once in your life of like, who is the Chandler? Who is the Monica of my group? Then you cannot rank them lower than like 25. I don't think I can rank them that high then because I've never had a conversation like that. <laughs> well, you are one of the few, my friend. Who's the Chandler of our podcast? Me. It's me. I'm the channel of our <laughs> podcast. Let's not go any further here because Seth and I are going to be insulted no matter what you say <laughs> moving forward. DT is the wittiest of, of all of us, I think. I think he's got the, the quickest whip, uh, which is Chandler. I think I'd probably be Gunther, the person who was supposed to be in the cast, but got shelled <laughs> out by Joey. 
The important part is that none of us are Ross. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> fuck Ross. God. You're right. That is the important part. Awful. Moving on. Yeah, anyways. Oh, hold on. I'm getting a text on my phone. Uh, it's from Goldblum. When did we teach him how to fucking text? Why is he on our fucking... I didn't. Uh, I didn't. Nobody taught him how to do that. So he says the best show of all time and Rolling Stone can go... He typed out the word fuck. Go fuck themselves. Oh. It's the world according to Jeff Goldblum on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Not sure I agree, buddy, but yeah. I give that response four Goldblums out of a possible five Goldblums. <laughs> that was a meta joke. Fuck. Well played. That was an old one, friend. That's good. That was a Goldblum reference within a Goldblum reference. This is this Goldblumception all the way down, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. He's probably going to sign us up for all kinds of fucking junk mail, like calls and shit. You know, <laughs> <laughs> sort through that nonsense we're in space how did he how does he have 5g how did he text me in deep space we are millions and millions and millions of light years away from the nearest 5g tower on earth what the fuck all right uh i'm gonna i'm gonna pull rank here in the space castle we don't have rank no nobody's captain or commander or anything but i'm going to assign seth to figuring out what the fuck is going on there and I'm going to assign Alex to uh, pretend like he's reading the exact same ad we've been playing on this show for a year and a half now. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> do, you have the, do, you have this, do you have the script ready? Because I'll do a live reading right now. Every you time you do it, it sounds amazing and organic, like you're reading it for the first time. It's fantastic. So let's get to that, and then we'll come back with a listener question that I'm actually really excited to talk about. <laughs> hey, let me tell you about Anchor. <laughs> this is great. We should totally change the ad. Oh, I can rip a new ad right now. I think that would be hilarious. Write it for me. What do you got? What should it be about? No, I mean like another anchor spot. DT said that you've been saying it the same for a year and a half and we just fucking change it. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, tell me tell me what you think should be in the new one and I'll write it. I don't know, dude. We're... I'll write it and read it. Should we do some fucking Mad Libs? Like, what do you want to... Yeah, Mad Libs. Yeah. Give me, right. give, me, give me something funny that should be on all the right. thing. Prompt us. We'll give you words. This is called Ad Libs. Like for ads. Oh, no. You've now created it's a new ad libs. Congratulations. <laughs> oh, no. That's like a whole new thing now. I'm sorry. You have to. Uh, prompt us with an article of the English language and we'll give you a word to fill in the blanks. <laughs> this has to be a thing. Somebody has to have done this already. Is AdLibs a thing? If we were worried about copyright infringement, this show would have ended a long time ago. <laughs> the problem is AdLibs is the, is the thing. So it's not good branding because you have to be like AdLibs, but not like the word. Alex, here's an adjective. Here's an adjective. Nice. Am I wrong? We're in between. Yeah, we're in between. Are we? As far as, as, far as I know. I thought I we were thought fucking we were around. in between. <laughs> Fuck, I don't know. I can never tell anymore. All right. Tell me again. Your adjective is nice. Nice. With three eyes. Okay. Nice. You need a noun? I'll use the same noun I do for every Mad Libs. Dildos. Perfect. Dildos. We're going to switch hosts anyway, right? So we can run this ad one time and move on. Give me more nouns, Seth. I need more than just dildos. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Which is going to be the next t-shirt we make. I need more than just dildos. Chandler. Bing. Chandler bong. Chandelier? Chandelier. Chandelier. Chandler bong. Chandler bong. <laughs> it's the classiest of all bongs. <laughs> it's like crystal and it tinkles when you use it. It tinkles when he uses it. That's going in. <laughs> uh, if it's tinkling while you use it, you might want to get that fixed, actually. You're, you're losing valuable uh, marijuana water or whatever the fuck is in a bong. I don't know. Most folks would call it bong water. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the sun. Sun. Soul. Don't get fancy. Okay. The sun. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I didn't break out Latin. <laughs> I just listened to Project Hail Mary. It was great. He calls it soul because that's how you distinguish it. You can't say the sun. It's the name of the sun. That's why it's the soul, our system. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's soul. It is our sun. We would call it soul. Icy hot brand pain ointment. <laughs> Icy hot pro is going in this. 
I gotta be honest, gents. When we started this episode, I did not think ad libs was gonna be a part of it. <laughs> nope. All right, here we go. This is what I have so far. Nice with three eyes. Dildos. Bing. Chandler Bong. Tinkles while he uses it. Soul. The Sun and Icy Hot Pro. Okay, if you can fit Anchor FM into that, we've got an ad. That's it. I don't even need connective tissue. I don't need purple pros. I, <laughs> I just want you to list Chandler list Bong, the, the Sun, uh, uh, Anchor FM. <laughs> Seth, please give the bad news to our co-host. He asked for no purple pros. Yeah, do you know who you're fucking talking to? We wrap up this ad so we can move on to listener question. <laughs> we have an indie podcast promo we have to get to, too. You're stealing time from needy podcasts. Read me this ad. I don't have it. I'm not going to. You think I can make an ad off of just these Mad Libs? It's not a Mad Lib. You do this for a living. Dildos, uh, Chandler Bong, Soul, The Sun, Anchor.fm. I'm making Alex edit this episode. Good fucking God. Oh my. No, this isn't Mad Libs. It's not like I had it pulled up. This is no, this Mad Libs. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay i'm sorry that i completely destroyed our podcast by suggesting we make a new ad let's move on <laughs> if you love chandler bongs and dildos we've got a nice podcast host for you it's anchorfm.com it's got all the dildos you need all at one place I don't know what the fuck we're asking of you, Alex. I don't know anymore. See, normally I would go on Twitter after the episode goes live and I would like at the podcast that we feature after this part. And typically like they will retweet it and they're like, oh, hey, thanks. I'm like, yeah, cool, man. Did you like the episode? Oh, yeah, we liked it. Now, <laughs> I don't know who I dislike enough to punish with this shit. <laughs> Across the multiverse, there's a cluster of wild stars known as Omega Star 7. Filled with bounty hunters, bandits, and the fine dining mega corporation Ahuli's House of Good Eats. A place with starships, dive bars, and guns. Really, really big guns. When you're here, your family. If you owed your family a lot of money. Welcome to Omega Star 7. Okay, Slipback, I mean, that was okay, but, like, what is Omega Star 7? What? It's it's a podcast. Okay, yeah, we gotta add a little pizzazz to it, like, it's a podcast! Omega Star 7 is streaming on your favorite podcatchers now. No, 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 like, Omega Star 7 is streaming on your favorite podcatchers uh, now! Find out more at Omegastar7.com. Okay, I just don't know who's gonna want to listen to that. I am... Utterly confused about what is going to make this edit. Because I, I think with Alex, was assuming we were in the middle of a thing <laughs> and not in the actual show. I don't know at this point. This is going to be a 14-hour editing session. You could Honestly, you could probably just cut everything after the Goldblum joke. I could. Including the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I... I- we all we were all on a different page there everything happened all at once it was confusing and exciting and it was just like losing my virginity dork lube dork lube (laughs) (laughs) hashtag dork it's like it's a perfume ad where you have no idea what the fuck is happening and then it's just a logo appears at the end this is dork lube it's weird it's they, they say when you find yourself in that situation for the first time your body will just take over and you'll just know what to do that's not how i felt for the last five minutes at all. <laughs> I'm waiting for my body to take over. That is that is what she said. That's Wait, what? I'm not sure. Congratulations. We found the one thing I definitely want to edit out of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that? Am I wrong? Uh, is that what he said? I don't. Did I do it wrong? Did I do the wrong one? I don't. Alex? I am. I have no idea what's going on anymore, guys. Our listener question. Yeah, I tuned back in, and I was like, I heard a, that's what she said, and then I that's what I said. Our listener question comes from Susie. Whoa, 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 and, whoa, whoa, and the whoa, question, whoa, no, the question is, 
No, I'm not. I'm not ready for. This. What's the dumbest thing you've done in the last 24 hours? I invented ad libs. That's the stupidest fucking thing. <laughs> I had an answer, and that answer has completely changed after the last six minutes of this fucking podcast episode. Because <laughs> it's now the last six minutes of this fucking podcast episode. Okay. Okay. Look, DT editor DT with a sober mind and a, a heart full of joy. Um. Do you know me at all? No. <laughs> the vibe has changed. The vibe has changed. <laughs> if what just transpired for the last several minutes of this podcast does not make it into the episode, it's going to make for some absolutely incredible, fucking mind-boggling Patreon exclusives. And you should definitely jump onto <laughs> patreon.com slash pod. Because I can't even begin to explain what the fuck just happened. I don't know if Seth or Alex can, and they're far more eloquent than I am. I'll give you the short of it. Uh, we fucked around. I invented a new genre of advertising. And then we found out. And now we're here. <laughs> <laughs> give me a listener question, damn it. Our listener question comes to us from Susie via the Gmail account at spacecastlepodcast.gmail.com. You can submit questions to us there. You can also submit questions to us via Twitter at SpaceCastlePod. Alex, do you know the phone number where they can call in with actual voice talkie-talkie questions? Yeah, it's 970-591-3577. I can't tell if he was... Let me say that again. It's 970-591-3577. That was a weird cadence. It threw me off so hard. William Shatner. I, honestly, I can't tell if, if Alex had to actually find that <laughs> number or if he was just doing it for show. Susie asks us. 970-591-3577. Susie asks us. This podcast is so fucked. I'm so sorry. I wish Susie would just kill me. <laughs> <laughs> have we checked our oxygen levels lately? No. <laughs> This episode might come out on Friday instead of Wednesday because I'm going to need two extra days to wade through this. <laughs> Susie asks, finally, what took you so fucking long, Susie? What is the dumbest thing you've done in the last 24 hours? I've had some real doozies, fellas. What's the stupidest thing you've done in the last 24 hours? Alex? So in our pregame, there was this Bulbasaur plushie. <laughs> yeah, you rule 34 the shit out of that Bulbasaur. I tried to, to indicate what I was doing by biting the Bulbasaur, which is a throwback to one of our earlier listener questions. That was a bad idea. Moving on. It's on video. Forever. I mean, I guess unless you deleted the file already, it's fine. I'm going to set it to some swanky fucking music. No Barry White, please. Anything else? How <laughs> about uh, some careless whisper? <laughs> <laughs> I got you guys beat. All right. I literally quit my job today. <laughs> oh. Uh, now, okay, now here's the thing. It. Yep. That is a big thing, but it, was that a stupid decision? I have not accepted any job offers for a job to follow up so it's looking that way yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> uh, i have interviews lined up already which is wild because like literally the day i quit my job i get two interviews so those are going to be happening later this week and early next week so we get it you're good at your job god i'm good at my fucking job <laughs> uh but no it's you know the tail end of a pandemic i'm a millennial you know you're going to be fine. Oh, I'm going to yeah, be fine, yeah, but it's yeah, pretty fucking yeah. stupid to quit your job without having something lined up. It's pretty stupid in the grand scheme of things, but I'm not scared. When your employer is like... Shitty. Not right. Mm. Yeah. See, this is, the, this is the thing though, DT. This is my argument, okay? I think you leaving the job that you left was a pretty good decision. Therefore, can't be the stupidest thing you've done all day. Maybe it was drinking two beers before we started taping this episode. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that may be it. I'll be fine. Like I said, I've, I quit my job. And the same day, I got two pretty decent interviews lined up with two pretty decent looking companies. One of which I'm pretty interested in because it could be potentially super challenging in a good yeah. way. And something I actually believe in, which would be pretty cool. But uh, yeah, 
I fell into that situation and I fell into it multiple times. And I'm sure every graphic designer out there listening can relate in that I was hired to do a job based on the job description and the interview process. And the day I jumped on board, the job suddenly changed and so did the title. And because the large majority of American states are at will states when it comes to employment laws, employers can do whatever they fuck they want to do and screw over their employees and leave them high and dry. And your only discourse, your only recourse, your only choice, if you cannot stand it anymore, is to quit. And that sucks. Because bait and switch should be fucking illegal. If anybody ever gets bait and switched when they they sign on for a job after they've gone through the interview process and whatnot, it should be fully legal to quit that job and you should be able to receive unemployment. There should be no arguments at all. If any company wants to pull that fucking bullshit, they should have to suffer the penalty of paying you unemployment until you find another job because they tried to fuck you over. I'm talking myself into saying this is not the dumbest thing I've done in the last 24 hours. It might just be the beers I've been drinking. You are definitely proving my point. You are proving Seth's point. That being said, it's definitely the riskiest thing you've done all day. The thing is, you're giving Seth so much time to develop what his dumbest thing he's done in the last 24 hours is. For real though, I've been like cataloging my last day. There's a lot of candidates. <laughs> it's, it's been a hell of a, a hell of a week. Give us your top 100 in descending order. Okay, 99. <laughs> Har- heroin? Was it heroin? It wasn't heroin. I did accidentally uh, put my hand in some very, very hot oil inside of a pan because I fucking forgot that it was on. My dude. I was frying up some eggs and I just like reached in and grabbed one. Eggs are ready. Ah! <laughs> you know, I was listening to Gideon the Ninth and very distracted. Whatever. I can make excuses, but that was a pretty stupid decision. I'm a professional. Professional what? I, I, nope. Just a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Leon. I want to know how he tops reaching his hand into a, a fucking boiling pan of oil to grab an egg. I think... Uh, it was when you accidentally used icy hot instead of dork loop wasn't it <laughs> anything that might do it for this episode of space castle late or a clubhouse now is for all things nerdy my name is dt and i am red wine and snatch alex part-time librarian winnebago thief inverse batman king killer dude centaur biologist bison basher master and space commander Maltov tom hammer and i'm dead seth you look really good for being dead I don't remember how that nickname happened. Bye, love you. How did Dead Seth come about? I I do not remember. (laughs) I honestly don't remember how Alex got half of his nicknames either, so... Uh, I'm going to stop recording. Okay, that sounds like a... Good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the best thing I've done all day.